on this week's episode of the podcast. Drew and all of you listeners better strap yourselves in because I have a tale of the most debauched, the most lecherous, the most criminal aspect possibly ever in the whole realm of soccer. Debauchery. Debauchery indeed. So buckle on up because this is Deadball Brothers. Welcome to Deadball Brothers, a weekly podcast about soccer and history with a healthy, healthy dose of stupidity, part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network, and hosted by your favorite soccer brothers, me, everybody's favorite freelance, once again, soccer content maker, Adam Whitaker Snavely, joined as always by my real-life brother, Drew Snavely, um, and I, I just feel like the freelance uh, portion of your introduction sounds... Uh, sounds normal because i feel like it, that's usually how it's been well you know <laughs> you win some you lose a lot and that's the way that sometimes happens but we're feeling good uh i turned 30 yesterday yeah i was gonna say this is your your birthday episode my birthday i and man i really picked just one one heck of a topic for it let me tell you what <laughs> i'm excited i'm excited for the birthday episode yeah it should be good it should be a lot of fun but how are you today drew Oh, you know, I'm doing well. Um, with the European Championship being over, um, Jaden Sancho should be an official Manchester United player any day now. I uh, heard that they were holding off for um, the release of the official release of their new white jersey to to actually announce him. Yes, I think it's happening tomorrow, nice. which we are recording today, which is. July 14th, which if I had just done Wednesday the of your birthday being yesterday, yep. July 13th. It is. So yeah, uh, I mean, by the time people are plugging this podcast into the ears, um, Jane Sancho will probably be a Manchester United player, which is incredibly exciting for me. Yeah. Um, uh, for Borussia Dortmund, uh, it means that Gio Reyna has claimed the number seven. Yeah, I saw that, the leaked photo mm-hmm. of, of the Reyna seven jersey. So and what that means is that now only the real ones will have the reign of thirty two. Ah, yeah, you were there when it all started, which is what's coming in the mail for me. Oh, did you do that on purpose? Because you were no, like, oh. I did it. I did it months ago because I didn't know that he would get the number seven. But when they released that throwback, like the neon sleeved oh, ones, yeah, yeah, and they had like a really limited pre order, I pre ordered and I got Gio Reyna's name on it. So that's supposed to ship at like the end of August. That's that's incredibly exciting. So I'll I'll just have the knowledge that I'm better than than most other fans that get oh, the reign yeah. of seven. Because absolutely, I was there on the ground floor. You Thank were, you. you were there before it was cool. Absolutely, <laughs> I absolutely was. Adam, Italy are champions of Europe, um, deservedly. Yeah, one. I mean, probably the best team of the tournament. Probably the best Consistent. team of the tournament. I would say England were. I and I, I thought England were pretty deserved to get there too at the end of the day. Um, I know we said that their their side of the bracket was a little bit weaker, and I still think that is true, but they also, you know, they they pushed Italy probably harder than any other team that Italy played, I would I would say. Especially in that first half. The first half was pretty dominant from England. Yeah, oh yeah. Uh, the second half Italy really got more into the game. Um, and then when you get to penalties, it's just penalties. Like, what can you do? And you know, there's only one outcome when England's involved. 
That is true. <laughs> you are correct, my friend. Yeah, it's pretty much the most heartbreaking way to to lose after a long tournament um, where they had essentially um, dominated most most matches and yeah. played really well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I mean, I think there's a lot that those those English boys should be proud of. Uh, and, I mean, they've got a bright future. Very yeah. young team. Absolutely. Lots of talent still kind of coming up through. I mean, next year is probably going to be featuring a lot of those guys that we wanted to play a lot more this tournament. Jude. More. Like Jude. Jude. <laughs> get a single minute, man. Yeah. He's tough. so good. That's okay. He can come back to Borussia Dortmund fresh. Well, that's that's why I'm like excited that Sancho and Rashford didn't, didn't play very yeah, much. I'm like, thank God, dude. Well, Rashford is actually getting surgery. Oh, rough. Uh, and is out for the next two to three months. Unfortunate. So he's going to miss some, some, some significant time, there, yeah. time to begin the season. Yeah. Italy won the Euro. Argentina won the Copa America. I was going to say Leo Messi, Messi finally has his his international trophy. He's definitely going to win player of the year again. Messi won his trophy in the least Messi-like way because he did absolutely nothing in that game versus Brazil. In that game? Yes. In that tournament, he kind of oh, he yeah. carried. Yeah, no, he, <laughs> he definitely was a big reason why Argentina... He was the main reason why Argentina was in the final. In the final, he not that have, great. He could have put the final away. He did, and he missed badly. Like I, Yeah. No, nobody knew how that happened. If my jaw could have gone lower than the floor, it would have. Because, I mean, who who else would you pick in a situation like that? Yeah, everybody gets one, you know? <laughs> yeah, I guess so. <laughs> But but yeah, so so we we do have uh, some some continental champions crowned. The gold cup just started. I was gonna say, thank God that the Euros and the Copa is over because we can get to the real competition, pa- baby. They paved the way for the gold the cup premier twenty twenty international tournament of the summer. Started off by Trinidad and Tobago <laughs> gloriously drawing zero zero with Mexico in a game in which they had seventeen percent possession. The somehow second Concacaf international championship yep very <laughs> true this summer you are you are <laughs> incredibly correct my friend it's just funny how that happens yeah well you know i never claimed that they were ex- experts at scheduling and, and all that stuff but but yeah we have the gold cup which is kind of weird because mexico is taking it really seriously because that's we're kind of at the point where if if Tata Martino doesn't win the Gold Cup after they lost the Nations League, he'll probably get fired. But the U.S. isn't bringing their full team because they're like, yeah, our players need a break, which is true. Yeah, in theory, it should be a cakewalk for the the squad that Tata has assembled for this tournament. It really should be. They have Rogelio Funes Mori on, on the team now, uh, Argentine that became a naturalized Mexican citizen a couple months ago. But you you never know. I mean, you got the reggae boys and Bobby Reed. Um, Bobby Reed scoring bangers. That that was wild. <laughs> and you had the Panama Qatar game, which Qatar is in the yes is in the Gold Cup. Yes, <laughs> they really just trying to get as many games as possible, I guess. Yeah, it's all it's a weird. It's just a weird time for for all the the soccer, all the football world. It is it is strange that uh, Qatar is the. The team that they invited to be uh, mm. guest strokes beard thoughtfully. <laughs> Definitely nothing sketchy there. Nothing weird there. Nothing weird ever there at all. Ever. But Drew, yeah, let's we're get not, into that. We're not here to talk about 
we're not here to talk about the 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 modern times. We're not here to talk about our contemporary champions. We're here to talk about the champions of the past and the history. And and I like there is debauchery in modern times, and there's conniving and, and scheming yep. and all of those dirty deeds happening. Yes, behind the curtain Dumb now. Cheap, frankly. <laughs> Uh, they're happening back then as well. Mm-hmm. And you're alluding towards, um, y- your story is alluding towards uh, something of similar nature. Something along those lines. Yeah. yeah. Drew, today we are talking about some of the worst people okay. in the history of soccer. <laughs> All right. I'm talking the absolute dregs of society. Oh, no. I'm talking about criminals, people who are frequently fighting, drunk getting tossed in jail for the things they were doing at professional games. That's right. I'm talking about mascots. Oh, okay. Well, this is an episode devoted to football mascots well, and you- and not the little kids either. Not not the not the little kids holding hands uh because I know that England calls those kids the mascots too. Yeah. I'm talking about the classic mascot. We're talking Rapid Man. We're talking ooh, we're not talking about <laughs> Rapid Man specifically, but you know how I feel about Rapid Man. <laughs> you know my heart beats for that. Well, Adam, that creature. You have you have um surprised me with this turn because I was not expecting it to go this direction. Mhm. Mhm. Um I and I did mean though every single thing about what I just said about them being like criminals and rogues and stuff because we're not talking about Goody Two Shoes Gunnersaurus. Yeah. Uh, I'm talking about English mascots in the late 90s and early 2000s. But to get there, let's do a brief history of mascots. Okay, yeah, let's do Let, it. Let's, let's examine how we got to I mascots in general. I would love to know how they became a thing. Yeah. As far as I can tell, sports teams began turning to mascots around the turn of the 20th century in order to try to give a new way for fans to be engaged with the teams that they cheered for which already seems like you're failing on some level. Um, if you're trying to entertain people that are at an event, which is already in a, an entertainment thing, yes. sports are entertainment. Yes. Um, so that was kind of funny to me. <laughs> like, oh, who's the person who came up with mascots and why was it to distract what was happening on the actual field of play? Probably baseball. Probably baseball. <laughs> Drew, I'm about to talk about baseball right now. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> a lot of the earliest formal mascots in the modern sense seem to be American. Uh, with plenty of disagreements as to what the original mascot was, some claim it was a live bulldog that Yale started bringing to games, but there was also a truly horrific bear suit that the Chicago Cubs trotted a guy out in for a few games in 1908, uh, where he would pretend to be a polar bear on the field in between innings. The mascot meta was yet to really evolve very much, and so it appears that people that were dressed as animals didn't really... they, they, They tried to present those animals accurately as opposed to like doing backflips and and firing t-shirts into the crowd with a cannon okay. <laughs> it wasn't like a with the mascots that people pretended to be weren't anthropomorphized yet they were they were actually pretending to be animals yeah they they're they're walking around like animals yep all fours. Making animal noises. Yeah, uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. You you don't have any like walking wieners around. Nope. Hot nope. dogs by wiener. Yeah. Is what I yeah that was when when we went to the the minor league baseball game for my birthday yesterday we went to the Wiener Emporium go Hillcats go Hillcats <laughs> um, most early mascots were live animals 
which predictably was pretty horrible for most of the animals because uh, people didn't really care about much of that, anything like animals and how they were treated back then. Naturally. Um, the cubs soon ditched the guy wearing the bear suit for real live bears. That's pretty sweet. Usually cubs are adolescent bears, but still um, they had to give some to zoos after procuring them from, from I don't know, bear salesmen, I guess. Uh, probably um, tiger kings. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, something like that. But they had to give them a, several away to zoos because the bears were too strong for their handlers and kept escaping and trying to get into the stands, which maybe was a sign <laughs> that you shouldn't be bringing live bears into crowds of people. All all this is uh, confirming for me is that Joe Exotic was born in the wrong time period. And <laughs> truly. that he was born for a, a job like this. Yes, he was. <laughs> uh, Joe Exotic, truly a, a turn-of-the-century man. <laughs> Thankfully, we moved away from the live animal mascot thing. Yes. England, now switching back to the sport of our hearts, holds a particularly special place in mascot history for introducing the very first... World Cup mascot. World Cup Willie. World Cup Willie. The mascot for the 1966 World Cup. Willie was a lion, which okay. makes sense. Yeah, it makes sense. Um, of rather rotund features and uh, a thick mane. And his introduction actually drove a very successful merchandise line featuring the lion's likeness and helped establish the World Cup mascot as a tradition for host countries. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I, I am wondering why the name Willie, though. Like what? What? What is the significance of of naming your fierce lion Willie? Well, because they named him specifically World Cup Willie. Yeah. So they wanted the alliteration. You'll there's a lot of mascot names in here, and you'll see a lot of alliteration, my friend. I get that, but I feel like you could still alliterate and come up with a tougher name, uh, like World Cup Walter or something <laughs> like that. Walter, of course, being much more fearsome than Willie. Well, you know, you think Walter White, and he's pretty. Oh, fearsome. that's fair. That's fair. Uh-huh. He is the one who knocks. <laughs> now I'm just imagining a World Cup mascot with a big smiling face cooking meth. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> Yikes. Uh, through the 70s and 80s, mascots with English soccer teams weren't necessarily a focal point, but they were around, and they were always shifting and changing. Uh, there was a fad at one point of having fancily dressed gentlemen acting as like pseudo-mascots. Um, I think the longest running of those was Peterborough's Mr. Posh. Okay. Uh, which has been a continually passed down title since around World War II. These guys usually wore top hats, uh, tails, canes, sashes, like they were in like a homecoming court. Uh, and part of their whole deal deal was them. They were, they were like impeccably well-mannered and well-dressed uh, and and it was just kind of like ah like the gentleman kind of thing. Yeah. Eventually, though, that act was getting old as the game transitioned into the rough and tumble days of the eighties and nineties, the height of hooliganism. Yes. In England, which <laughs> was a problem. <laughs> it was not good. <laughs> Supporting a team for many became as much about fighting for that team at all hours at the drop of a hat. And firms and fan groups became famously insular and and just hard. The hard men. Yes. Um, Those people, as it might be very obvious, didn't really care for the (laughs) well-mannered, like, fancy mascot guys. They they weren't really all about those people. Yeah. 
So what were clubs to do? We're talking about clubs with fans whose fighting, violence, and general demeanor was so bad that in 1985, UEFA banned all English clubs from European competition after a riot incited by drunk Liverpool fans chasing Juventus fans who started to stampede, trying to get to relative safety in the stadium where the game is t- going to take place, resulted in a wall collapsing and almost 40 people dying. Yeah, th- that is uh, easily one of the most horrific things to ever happen. Yep. Um, in the history of the game. Very, very bad. Yeah. The ban was lifted in the early 90s, and hooliganism continued to go down um, as, it, as the 90s kind of wore on. Um, English authorities really started to crack down on it, getting police involved, that sort of thing. Um, but this was still, at this time, late 90s, stadiums full of people that are more likely to throw a bottle at a traveling Mr. Posh than applaud him. Yes. That, that's yeah. That's kind of the state that we're in as far as the fan engagement goes. Easily. Mascots, however, were due for a comeback. And that comeback came in the form of a wolf and three little pigs. Take that how you will. <laughs> oh <my gosh. laughs> yeah, it's like a fairy tale. A little uh, bit. Like, like, um, yeah. Yeah. On November 7th, 1998, Wolverhampton Wanderers traveled to Bristol City. And with them, they brought their mascot, who at the time was named Wolfie. True to his name, Wolfie was a big furry black wolf in a wolf's kit. As part of the halftime festivities and some sort of promotion, Wolfie was to participate in a penalty shootout with three pig mascots, <laughs> none of whom were the Bristol City mascot, uh, who was a cat officiating the penalty shootout. Um, the, the pigs were from like a local ham glazing factory. So they're real pigs. No, 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 no. They're mascot pigs. Oh, okay. But the, they came like, they were supposed to be like representing, there was some promotion with a local ham glazing factory. Okay. And they said, oh, wolves are coming. We'll send three pigs. It'll be the big bad wolf versus the three little pigs. Yeah. As a promotion for this company. They all have, like, the ham company's name. Honestly, I kind of like it. Hey, I mean, <laughs> I'm not faulting the marketing person who came no, up with this. No. I think it's a pretty decent angle. Yeah. We all know the story. Yeah. Listen, listen, we all know it. <laughs> um, so, they were doing this penalty shootout. At some point, Wolfie lost the ball he was supposed to be kicking into the stands. And he tried to get another one from one of the pigs he was playing. I don't know if he said something or if he was too rough or whatever, but the pig in question took exception and shoved Wolfie. Oh. Wolfie, not one to back down from the challenge, threw a punch at the offending pig, and the scrum was on. The pigs all tried to get at the wolf. The stewards ran onto the pitch and had to separate all the mascots fighting, which was not a part of the plan. Yeah. This was not like a, oh, planned mascot fight. This will be fun. This was more like when the Ohio University mascot tried to go and punch the Ohio State Buckeye mascot yeah. and got escorted off the field. That's what we're talking about yeah. here. It's actually kind of hilarious because, like you said, these like the wolf and the pigs aren't rivals you know no. the things are just from no. a thing no. and also 
it's the camaraderie of the pigs is also a yes. little heartwarming, but also hilarious. Like I don't know if they were actually employees yeah, at the say, thing. Are they buddies? Like, oh, oh, you ain't punching me, mate. Or just the fact that they have the the common uh, the common denominator of just being in pig costumes. Yeah, we're all pigs, and therefore <laughs> hive mind. Together. Yeah, we are legion, for we are many. <laughs> um. So the stewards had to break on break up this mascot fight, and the wolves' supporters were loving it. <laughs> they chanted, come on, Wolfie, from the away end as their mascot was forcibly led away from the pitch because he had thrown punches, and that was a big no-no. And the era of the badly behaved mascot was born. And we are back for the second half of this podcast. Adam, Wolfie, the wolf, Mm -hmm. (laughs) had just gotten into a tussle with three little pigs. Drew, literally my first sentence back on my notes is, Wolfie the wolf's tussle with three little pigs. (laughs) So good job. And for those of you who are listening from home, I am not looking at Adam's notes. Nope. So I have no idea that he was just about to say that. You just called it. And I just called it, you know. But yes... Wolfie the Wolf, Three Little Pigs, and all of a sudden, the mascot wars, as I like to call them, began. Oh, incredible. (laughs) Yes, the Three Little Pigs, who again, weren't even soccer mascots. Yes. But were mascots for a local ham company. (laughs) (laughs) This wouldn't be Wolfie the Wolf's last time in the limelight. Uh, Later that season, he got into a fight with uh, West Brom mascot, Baggy Bird, that the mascot himself said was simply harmless fun, um, but uh, some Wolf West Brom fans actually reported the incident to the FA for a violent conduct on the part of Wolfie. Aston Villa, at the time, had to fire their mascot in 1998 for grabbing Miss Aston Villa during a halftime show and smashing the head of Hercules the Lion into her face, attempting to simulate her kissing the mascot. She was not in on the act, And was rightly very freaked out by the mascot guy doing that. And the guy subsequently lost his job because he had already done some questionable things earlier (laughs) in it. He didn't have the job for a full season. After the fact, he told reporters, any bloke would fancy her. She's an absolute corker. (laughs) Jesus (laughs) Christ. But there was nothing sexual in it. I was just over the moon because the team was winning. Which is true. Aston Villa was winning the game three one. You know, you'd say that um, with the with the previous um, incidents that he was walking on eggshells, but uh, from this scenario that you're laying out, I mean, he's like stomping on eggshells. Yeah, yeah. Like, no. The was, eggshells were obliterated. Yeah, yeah would, the, the eggshells were more like glass, and he was like, "Bet walking all yeah. over him. It's gonna Good happen." Lord. All of these mascot incidents, however. They were all owed fealty, the utmost respect to the patron saint of the badly behaved mascot, Cyril the Swan. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm guessing that this is Swansea. This is Swansea. Okay. <laughs> it had to be somebody Welsh. <laughs> In the late 90s, Swansea City were on the verge of bankruptcy. They weren't good, 
And furthermore, they were going to be liquidated as a club if they slipped into England's semi-professional tiers of play, which at this point isn't so uncommon a tale that it's confusing. I feel like we've had that something close to that situation that we've talked about in several podcasts at this point. Yeah, I feel like for any any club that's been around long enough, there has been a period or multiple periods where they are on the brink of financial collapse. That almost happened in Dortmund. Yeah. In uh, the in the 90s or like early 2000s? It doesn't surprise me one Bayern, bit. Bayern bailed them out. Bayern helped know. like pay the money to, to bail them out. It's like um, uh, Microsoft bailing out Apple and then Apple like blowing up. Yep. <laughs> Correct mundo. Because <laughs> that happened too. It did. So Swansea City were on the verge of bankruptcy uh, and things were bad at the club. They actually were sold to a windshield replacement company for 100 pounds in 1998. Oh my God. The burden of the club and its debts considered too great a risk and the former ownership simply glad to get it off its hands. Okay. <laughs> um, Silver Shield, as the company was named, looked for any new ways they could generate revenue at Swansea. And so the idea was struck to create a mascot, a swan for Swansea, obviously. This just makes sense. Now, this was a terrible idea. <laughs> it's an awful idea if you're just like, yeah, what's going to help this failing club generate more money? A swan. A mascot. A giant swan. <laughs> the mascot costume itself was a swan head that stretched the height of the wearer to around nine feet tall because the swan head itself was so big. I, I respect that they wanted to make it proportionate to an actual... Right, yeah. So they're like, all right, so you have the body, and it's like, whatever, a man between five and six feet tall. We have to make sure that the neck is four feet tall, oh, yeah. that this head is at the end. <laughs> they really were invested in the in the oh, proportions here. Um, it cost over 3,000 pounds to create and sew the whole thing together. You had these big wings... They kind of had these weird, like, swan shorts where he was clearly wearing soccer shorts. But then over them, there was these kind of, like, feather kind of looking, like, look. it just looked like big, like, kind of furrier shorts that were over those. And okay. then a Swansea kit on, on the body. Yeah. Um, okay, yeah. I feel like I'm going to have to look up a picture of this afterwards. Yeah. Well, we, uh, <laughs> listener, I encourage you to take this time now to look up a picture of Cyril the Swan uh, in the late 90s and early 2000s. You have to see it to believe it. It's a treat. <laughs> um, at Cyril's debut, Cyril the Swan slid down a 90-foot rope from a helicopter onto Swansea's pitch in a grand reveal ceremony. He, at the time, was portrayed by a local soldier, probably because he was a person who knew how to slide down a 90-foot rope from a helicopter. Yeah, I was going to say. That's kind of a dangerous thing to do. That's honestly impressive. <laughs> yeah. Um, the fans all hated it. They were kind of pissed. They wanted, you know, player signings <laughs> to help improve the, yeah. the, fa- the, the, the fortunes of the club, and yeah. they got a 9-foot swan. You drop 3,000 pounds... You'd hope that it would go towards something of significance. Actually making the the team better. Yes. (laughs) And instead, they gave you a swan. Yes, that is precisely what they gave him. Soon enough, the club realized they needed a more true fan 
to play the swan. Enter 21-year-old groundskeeper Eddie Dunn. In Dunn's first match as Cyril the Swan, Swansea dispatched with the theatrics and just told Dunn to get out there and rile up the fans. Which Dunn said, just tried his best. He was flapping his wings around. He was kind of whatever. He was getting picked on, all that stuff. Yeah. But Cyril the moment, Cyril the Swan's moment would come. Now, against Norwich City in a cup match, Norwich at the time being two tiers above Swansea. Uh, Norwich were either playing in the first division or the Premier League. I think they were in the first division at this time. Okay. So second tier. Yes. They were a second tier club. Uh, Swansea was bottom, was fourth tier. Yes. They were not doing well. Um, so Eddie Dunn goes out to the pub. He gets kind of drunk. Yes. Which was something... That I think he did before a lot of games. I feel like most mascots are probably drunk. Yes. During the match, Norwich went up one nothing, and Swansea. That's not a surprise. Swansea aren't aren't, aren't very good. They're a couple divisions below Norwich. Yeah. And at one point, Dunn takes issue with a call that a referee makes against Swansea City, and he starts sprinting down the sideline, flapping his wings as the Swan. <laughs> Making angry noises, I, I would yes. imagine. And he collides and completely takes out a Norwich City assistant coach <laughs> who's on the sideline. Because he's on that side of the, of the field. He's <laughs> along the touchline. And he just barrels over <laughs> this coach. And there, there's a scrum kind of ensues. Like this guy starts like getting up and yelling at him. All the Norwich City fans are super pissed. And they're all yelling at the swan. And then... Miracle of miracles, Swansea City equalize. Oh my gosh. Like a few minutes later. Yeah. And Eddie Dunn, as Cyril the Swan, goes absolutely nuts and he dives into the homestand where they all start mobbing him and they all start chanting hooligan, hooligan. <laughs> and they all like basically this is like this is a, a, a moment of acceptance and yeah. also celebrity okay. for Cyril the Swan. Yeah. Because this is the moment where everybody was like, whoever's doing it, whoever is the Swan, because nobody knew. Yeah. It had to be kept a secret. Like, whoever's doing it, he's a true fan. <laughs> or about that guy. It's so funny how quickly your fortunes can change. Because uh, previously, I mean, it's the the... The laughing stock, yes. you know, uh-huh. but now he's one of us. Yes, yes, like <laughs> you don't mess with the swan. Yeah, the swan is ours. Thank yes. you. Um, the game finished uh, tied, and so I think it was the FA Cup and not the League Cup. Um, so the game ended in a draw, and Norwich complained to the FA about the mascot, uh, and Cyril got banned for the return leg, which Swansea lost. Dang. Cyril became something of a national celebrity spurred on by his antics and questionably legal practices, both in the laws of the game and the laws of the country. During a game with Millwall in 1998, Cyril ran onto the field to celebrate a goal when Swansea went 2-0 up, which already was not allowed. Yes. Like, that's not something that you're allowed to do. But then, as he sprinted around the field, he kicked the ball as hard as he could because he came upon the ball which went directly into the head of a Millwall player. So he just runs around and he's and he's wearing a mascot. I don't yeah. know if you've ever worn a mascot head, but like Nope. It's 
you can barely see out of those yeah, things. Yeah, I believe that. Like it's it's kind of like you have no peripheral vision. That's why most mascots have a, a handler. Yes, right. So he runs. He he realizes the ball is right at his feet, and he just boots it and he kicks it directly into the face of a Millwall player. Millwall's all pissed. Yeah. The referee is trying to run over to him to kind of like escort him off the field uh, yes. because like this is now a problem. He runs away, and as he's running away, he actually, um, one of the sideline referees was bald, and he stops to rub his bald head with his wing <laughs> as he made his escape. Legend. <laughs> <laughs> the FA actually had a trial of Cyril, and this is important because they didn't have a trial of Eddie Dunn. They had a trial of Cyril the Swan, like in this like mock court setup with the FA there. And Swansea brought Eddie Dunn dressed as Cyril to the courtroom, and he was there doing this whole weird like FA trial thing in the character. Of Cyril the Swan, so he was mute. He would he wouldn't answer any questions. He would only either shake his head yes or no if he was directly asked a question. Yes. And Swansea's whole defense seemed to revolve around the fact that Eddie couldn't see anything in the costume, and so they were trying to. They were just like, yeah, like he didn't even anything? know that he was kicking a ball. Yeah, like like that was basically the whole thing. Like that that was the entire defense. He just happened to strike it yes, so clean. Yes. <laughs> Um, he was, <laughs> he was defended in this mock trial by lawyer Maurice Watkins, who was most famous for also defending Eric Cantona in his karate kick trial. Oh my gosh. <laughs> uh, they really brought in the big guns for this one. This is just like, this sounds like a joke. Pu- yes. Publicity trial. Uh-huh. Like this, this cannot be serious. But it was an actual, like the F.A deciding what the punishment was going to be. Yes. Like this this was a real thing in a in a sense. Good lord. Um <laughs> as he exited the hearing, uh Dunn, still dressed as Cyril, spotted a referee with a cup of coffee sitting uh directly in front of him as he started making his way out and he dipped Cyril's beak in the coffee before proceeding out of the mock courtroom. <laughs> He's holding a cup of coffee, and he dips the beak of the costume into the coffee and then walks out. <laughs> like, what? You know, as as um, somebody like yourself who's very involved with theater, mm-hmm. I mean, you, mm-hmm. ha- you have to appreciate his commitment to the bit and commitment to the character. Oh, he was dying for the bit. Yeah. And I, and I love that. <laughs> that makes my heart warm and fuzzy yes. inside. Much like his costume probably felt like. <laughs> Um, Cyril was fined a little over a thousand bucks, uh, which Eddie Dunn was really sweating because, uh, his girlfriend who had become his wife, uh, was pregnant at the time and he wasn't making a ton of money as, uh, Swansea were doing better and he was super popular, but they still, there still wasn't a lot of money. They were, they were still in financial trouble. Um, the club did end up paying I was gonna the say, fine. Yeah. Um, but they also banned Cyril from the sideline for a full season. The club did. No, or, the oh, FA did. Okay. Swansea, however, managed to win promotion to Division Two. Good for and, them. And Cyril was a bona fide celebrity. Heck yeah. Swansea and pretty much the rest of Great Britain had started going mascot crazy at this point. Yes. Um, around the actual city of Swansea, Wales, new mascots popped up all over for just whatever business there was. 
in the hopes of creating a similar reaction to what was like kind of this weird cult of personality around Cyril. Um, at least one such, which was a giant inflatable outside of a store, Eddie Dunn admitted to popping by jumping into it in the Cyril costume as a, <laughs> I don't know, a way to establish mascot dominance, I yeah. guess. Um, also, at one point, there was another helicopter stunt, but this time it was Eddie Dunn doing it, and he self he said himself that he almost killed himself doing it. Oh, my uh, gosh. <laughs> Because he didn't know how to do things. Yeah. He was just this random... He was a groundskeeper and a fan that would just get drunk and go crazy at games. Yeah. And that was his whole thing. There was also uh, a publicity stunt where they were going to replace Cyril uh, with a different swan. And the fans were just, like, livid and and were, like... Oh, and never the the new replacement, which they all... It was never going to be a permanent thing, I think. Yeah. But whenever their replacement... Uh, mascot where it was around in any of the games the fans would all like swear at it and <laughs> let throw throw stuff at it and like bring cyril back kind of thing because uh, cyril was cyril was a real one yeah because yeah. cyril cyril was swansea through and through um 2001 was a banner year for bad behavior in mascots cyril got into multiple rows with Millwall's Millwall's mascot zampa the lion in the most memorable instance, Zampa came out for a mock penalty shootout with Cyril at halftime of a match, which seemed to be a popular penalty, a popular mascot thing yeah, to do yeah, it's for easy. like a halftime show yeah. of some sort. Um, Zampa came out for the mock penalty shootout, and Dunn described this as usually the mascots meet up beforehand, you have a pint together, and like there's a, there's a camaraderie. Yes. Uh, which, yes. I, I mean, there is a camaraderie in all lunatics, I imagine. So these people all, you know, knew each other kind of thing. But he said this one was weird because I didn't see him at all before the game. Didn't know where he was. And then even before the penalty shootout, I'm just standing out there and I don't know where he was. And then he kind of comes through the Millwall fans at in the Millwall end of the stadium. And the Millwall fans are all like cheering for blood kind of thing because it's Millwall. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And they're all the degenerates worst. anyway. <laughs> yeah. Pretty much. Um, so Zampa the Lion comes out for this mock penalty shootout and they kind of have this stare down moment and then Zampa throws a punch at Cyril the Swan and then what really set Eddie Dunoff in this instance was he tried to rip off the Swan head. Mm. Which is a massive mascot no-no. Yes. You don't reveal the identity. No. That's 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 always a bad thing. Yes. And so Eddie Dunn got out of it and proceeded to uppercut Zampa the Lion hard enough that Zampa's mascot head popped off and fell into Cyril's wing hands. <laughs> which Eddie Dunn then promptly turned ran to the side and drop kicked the head into the sands before turning around and yelling at the guy who played Zampa the lion. Don't fuck with the swans. <laughs> oh my gosh. Later that season, uh, Cyril also got a letter of legal warning from Manchester United after he stole the tail of Fred the red. Oh, not Fred. <laughs> really, really just picking on everybody. Uh, Zampa the Lion, on the other hand, also attempted to fight the Crystal Palace mascot that season, Pete the Eagle, and lost that bout, too. Uh, and that was on television, so pretty embarrassing. Yeah, I was going to say. Uh, 
Burry's mascot, Robbie the Bobby, <laughs> which was a, a Bobby is a policeman. Okay. <laughs> um, so he was, was like this big cartoon police guy, basically. Okay. Um, uh, Robbie the Bobby was sent off by referees three different times starting in 2001. Uh, once for getting into a fight with Cardiff's mascot, a bluebird named Bartley. Once for ripping the ears off of the bunny costume that Peter Bros mascot wore, and once for dropping trow and mooning Stoke City's fans. Oh heck yeah! <laughs> <laughs> um, Chatty the Owl, who was the mascot of Oldham Athletic, actually got in trouble with the real, actual police for beating the crap out of the Broomfield Bear of Blackpool. Oh no! It got to the point where the football league actually had to codify a set of etiquette rules for mascots. They had to create just mascot rules for what they were allowed to do and what they were not allowed to do. Yes. In order to try to curb the behavior of these madmen because they were just going insane. And it was always like it was almost always the same story of like, yeah, we just found this guy who's a fan and he agreed to come be the mascot of the club. And these people would just get drunk and then take out all of their frustrations or their, all their fan energy into like, I'm going to beat the crap out of some other mascot. Yes. I think the funniest thing about all of this is how you have so many like wimpy sounding mascots mm -hmm. and the one that, should be tough. The lion is the one that's trying to fight everybody and losing. Yeah. Well, it's Zamba like, the lion was not a good, no, he did not have a good year. It must be said. The tipping point for Cyril came during the mascot grand national, which was a mock horse race held at Huntington race course, which was in a real race course complete with low grass hurdles that all professional mascots in England, or slash great Britain were invited to compete in. In 2000, there were 17 participants. In 2001, there was 129. What? It was televised live, I believe, on the BBC. And Cyril was the main attraction, both for Dunn's reputation of getting around quickly with for such a huge costume, which is how he got out of trouble a lot of times because he would kind of run away and then dress out of the costume and then calmly walk around because nobody knew who, like, who Cyril who was. actually was yes. except for, like, the Swansea City higher-ups. Yes. Um, and also for, you know, the, the fact that he fought a lot of people and generally caused trouble a lot yes. of the time. So they have this race, which is just this big, dumb thing. You can look up videos of a mascot Grand National. I found one from 2000, not from 2001, the massive one. Um, but it's just a bunch of mascots that are, like, at this, like, classic kind of, like, British horse racing track. Because the British horse tracks are all grass. Yes. And they all have, like, the hedge hurdles that they will do. And they have, like, these tiny ones for the mascots. And uh -huh. it's just a bunch of people running in mascot <laughs> costumes. Um, so in the big one in 2001, two mascots were pretty seriously injured with Wolverhampton's representative, Wendy, the wolf requiring a stretcher and Watford's Harry, the Hornet breaking two ribs. Oh my gosh. The race was won by one Freddy, the Fox with Cyril, the Swan actually finishing in second place. Freddy, the Fox uh, actually revealed himself, took off his head, and it turns out that uh, it was an Olympic hurdler was who was brought in to be a ringer for the race. That's so <laughs> That dumb. just crushed everybody. That's so stupid. That is dumb. Yeah. It is stupid, stupid. But it was a dog from a smaller Yorkshire club 
that pressed charges against Dunn as Cyril the Swan, alleging that he had shoved the woman over because it was a it was a forty six year old woman uh, that was playing this dog, uh, alleging that Cyril had shoved her and that she had fallen and hurt in her wrist pretty bad. Um, police came to Swansea City's ground and actually arrested Eddie Dunn and took him to jail where he was held for half a day before they eventually he rele- he was released on bail. Um, okay. And but real charges were pressed against him. Uh, police arrested him on suspicion of causing actual bodily harm. So is this how he was revealed to the public? Um, kind of. I don't know if he was like revealed. Revealed. I know that. I, I mean, I imagine they were because there was all these headlines that were like basically like uh, Swansea City's thug and calling like Cyril the Swan a criminal, which if they were covering the – I didn't see any of the specific headlines that mentioned Dunn's name. Mm-hmm. But if they were covering Swansea City's mascot and the fact that he was arrested, I would imagine that they probably knew – the name of the guy and that it was at some point revealed that this was the person that was the swan. Yes. Um, So he was arrested. Um, Basically the charges were eventually dropped. Um, Okay. Probably because the woman uh, most likely wasn't hurt that badly. Like basically the article that I read said like she hurt her wrist. Um, Also because it was probably impossible to prove what happened because mm. she came out after taking a tumble and police kind of basically, I don't think that she initially directly accused the, the swan of shoving her. She just said she got shoved mm-hmm. and police were immediately like, it was probably the swan. Okay. Because yeah. the swan's an idiot. Yes. <laughs> and but sw- when there are like over a hundred other mascots. Yes. There, yeah. No, true. Like, who knows? True. Yeah. 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 Um, and I don't know if they just, I don't know what, if they hadn't gotten a waiver and said, this is, it's all my fault if I get hurt or participating in this or what, but, but eventually the charges were dropped. Um, Eddie Dunn standing with a club wasn't great at this point though, just because of a lot of negative publicity. Yes. And this was finally the point where Swansea city got some new owners who actually started turning the club around economically. Oh, during this whole period, Cyril the Swan became a celebrity, but Swansea was still, and Swansea was doing better mm-hmm. on the field, but they weren't doing great, and they were still losing a lot of money. Okay, they were finally bought by new owners that got some new sponsorship and revenue streams into the club, and kind of in the in the mid two thousands ish, they started the path that brought Swansea to basically what we know Swansea as, mm-hmm. which for the last. 10 or so years has been a club that's pretty standardly been either a championship or premier league club. Yes. Like they've been either or, uh, and they just won promotion, right? Yeah. Didn't they win? No, wait, uh, no, they no, lost no, no. to Brentford. Yeah, they yeah. came, they, they, they were, they lost in the championship. I was going to say not in the premier league. This, right, right, right. This right. They almost were. Yeah. They were very, very close. Um, but Dunn eventually retired as both groundskeeper and Cyril the Swan. Um, which is probably for the best because uh, he just went absolutely nuts every time <laughs> he was playing the swan and got yes. into trouble a lot. Um, the mascot mania correspondingly calmed down a bit as the 2000s wore on and English games became more and more corporatized into the big money international spectacle it is today. 
And I like it's Im- nearly impossible to imagine like two Premier League mascots getting into a fight. Yes. You know, like yeah. that it doesn't seem like something that I would ever see at this point in time. There was one fairly memorable mascot issue in 2011, however, as um, Deepdale Duck <laughs> of Preston North End. Gosh, man. Which the, the stadium name is Deepdale. Okay. So he's Deepdale Duck. Again, the alliteration, the alliteration is big. Yeah. It's big. The Deepdale Duck decided he was going to interrupt the BBC broadcast of a game they were playing multiple times by jumping into interviews that their correspondent was trying to conduct in the player tunnel. Um, he was eventually sent off in the same game after getting behind the end line and spending a prolonged period of time yelling at the Derby goalkeeper stationed there in order to distract him. Okay. And eventually the goalkeeper complained and the referee had to, like he had to be escorted off the field by the stewards nice. and all that stuff. Mascots around the country were incensed at the Ducks' removal, <laughs> claiming he was only having good fun and nothing he did was too out of the ordinary. Sheffield United's Captain Blade was so moved that the following weekend, he staged a protest in the Sander Circle during halftime with a sign that said, Free the Preston One. <laughs> because I guess, even though all these mascots were crazy, they were all crazy together. It's true. Some sources for the English mascot mania. 442, uh, there was Jeff Mache for ESPN and Howler, Paul Serene for Flashback, and Sam Morsehead for the Daily Mail Online. Oh, man. What a story. What a, what a especially fitting story for the Deadball Brothers and our podcast. It must be said. It must be said that... This is the type of thing that the people expect from us. <laughs> what an incredibly strange but also fascinating tale. I hope that you took something away from that, even if that something was. If you or a loved one wants to be a mascot, seek some help. <laughs> maybe some therapy. I don't know. Maybe even a rehab center. I don't know. But but be careful out there because mascotting is not for the faint of heart. It must no, be said. No, you gotta you gotta be all in. Yeah. Like Cyril the Swan. Like was. Cyril the Swan. It was all all in, all the way to jail. <laughs> Honestly, it's pretty fitting because swans are they're they're pretty, swans suck. They're pretty serious. Yeah. They're they're pretty aggressive. Yes, you know so, swans I mean, swans will mess you I, up. I guess I guess you could say that it's not out of the ordinary behavior for a swan to to get into it with with somebody else. Maybe he was uh, paying homage to that Chicago Cubs mascot who was actually trying to act like a random polar bear on the field. Yeah, maybe. You never by, know. By being just an absolute jerk of a swan like all swans yes. are. <laughs> oh, Adam, thank you for this great story about the English mascot frenzy. Yeah. Um, I enjoyed it. A lot, and I hope that you listening to this in your ear holes are enjoying the story or enjoyed the story as well. If you like this episode and other episodes that we tell um, and want to support the podcast, you can always give us a follow at Deadball Pod on Twitter and Instagram. We're also on Facebook. If you want us to dig into a story or have any questions or concerns about the podcast and the direction that we're headed. <laughs> <laughs> You can email us at deadballpod at gmail.com. And we have merch. Oh, yes, we do. Uh, we have T-shirts and long sleeve tees, and we have a hoodie available at the Teespring 
link in the description below. Absolutely. So you could check that out. Yeah. If that's your fancy. I, I think you I think you covered all of it. I think I, I got it all. Got it all. Yeah. Thank you so much once again for listening to this episode of the podcast. Thank you so much for the support. Uh, and as always, my name is Adam Whitaker Snavely. And I'm Drew. And we will see you again very, very soon. We give you all platonic kisses. Stay sane out there, people. Yeah.